I think we're all equipped to handle the no or no, it didn't work out. Okay, well, I can do better. But you have to also learn how, how to manage the success when something is a comp, when you do accomplish something and uh, there are successes, you have to take that in stride as equally as you do the bumps in the road. Welcome to the Sage Warrior Gentleman podcast, where we explore the three facets of the modern man and discuss leadership, chivalry, and style so that you can continue to bring your best to the world. Hi, I'm Jeff Hendrickson, and through impactful subjects and in interviews with men I've known and worked with in various industries over the years, you'll learn some valuable lessons about modern men and their struggles and triumphs. For this episode, I'm talking to my friend Troy Woolery. Troy is the director of digital at Vaco in Cincinnati, Ohio. He spent the last decade working to shape user experiences for some of the world's most recognizable brands and products. Prior to his current role, Troy has served as senior UX lead for Procter & Gamble and Kroger Digital. Previous to the enterprise work at P&G and Kroger, Troy was associate director of UX at Gray Midwest, also in Cincinnati, Ohio, where he led UX initiatives for Abbott Nutrition, Smuckers, P&G, Canagra Brands, and Pro Football Focus. In his free time, Troy enjoys spending time with his wife, three children, age 3, 11, and 8, their dog, and reading, watching rugby. He played for three years in college as a flanker, listening to old blues records, exercising regularly, and reading both fiction and nonfiction. Troy hopes to one day publish his fictional material, which he has been working on since his high school days. So here we go with another insightful interview and conversation. So Troy, thank you very much, man, for joining me on the podcast. I really appreciate you taking some time for me. How are you today? I'm great, my friend. Uh, super excited to be here. And uh, this is long overdue. So glad we're able to, to get this one on the calendar. Yeah, it took us just a little while, but I, I I figured we'd get there. I figured I'd I'd, I'd have to I'd have to uh, bust your hump just a little bit too to get it. But you're a busy guy, so I know. I mean, you know, you got a bunch of cool new stuff going on. You and I are talking pretty much every day at this point in time. So yeah. let's let's go into that first, right? First is who are you? What do you do? Let's talk about your your occupation a little bit. We'll get a little bit deeper into that once we go. But first, let's just tell everybody who Troy Willery is. Sure. Well, I uh, first and foremost, I'm a friend of yours, and I, that's a great uh, privilege of mine. Um, so uh, as far as what I do in my career, I'm a digital director uh, with a company we're called Vaco, which is Latin for free yourself, and uh, which is sort of uh, very much consistent with my MO. I, I love to work with great people, uh, but have enough autonomy to... Um, you know, execute and and deliver with sort of the freedom and the trust of the company to to do things the way that that I believe they need to be done. Um, I, as director of digital at Vaco in Cincinnati, uh, I manage a growing team of incredibly talented individuals, everything from UX to content marketing to digital product management to accessibility. Those are all areas that I'm very passionate about. In my career, I've been a UX lead uh, for the likes of Procter & Gamble in Cincinnati, Ohio, Kroger Digital, also in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, I've also been an associate director of user experience uh, at Gray Midwest in the Cincinnati office. 
Um, I've served uh, products, uh, brands such as Microsoft Xbox, Smuckers, um, Dunkin' Donuts, Folgers, uh, Gillette for Procter & Gamble, Downey Febreze, uh, Abbott Nutrition. Uh, so, you know, small brands. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Abbott Nutrition is uh, like three blocks away from me here in Columbus. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I actually, uh, I was on a pretty big pitch there five years ago. But um, so I, I've been in that UX lead space, uh, space that you know well, Jeff, uh, for quite some time. Um, but really what, what has helped me in my career and, and what I do, and this is important to note, is, you know, number one, don't be, don't be an asshole you know, be a good person, be a good person to those around you and always be willing to upskill. So I'll pause there because that was a, a general descriptor of, of my day job. Um, I'm also uh, an avid blues guitar player and rugby enthusiast. And I, uh, I'm an adjunct professor at Miami University here in Oxford, Ohio, where I teach a senior capstone course and design prototyping as well. That's awesome. I, I, you know, everything that you've done is just so impressive. All these brands that you've worked for and the things you've done now, as long as you and I have known each other, I didn't know that about rugby. I don't know if you saw the picture that I posted of me at my very first ever rugby game in the UK when I was over there doing the work with GE Aviation. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if you saw that or not, but that no, was, I haven't seen it. No, it was, it was awesome. I'll tell you about that a little bit later on. All right. Sure. So cool. So I know how much of a family man you are. So occupation, especially something that, that a man does to, to, to put bread on the table, right. And, and, and to put shoes on the feet is a really important thing for a family. So who are you to your family? Who are you to the world? I mean, I, I know who you are to me. I know how supportive you are of me and everything I do and how you're always a guy that I can call and say, Troy, man, I just don't know what to do. And you, you have this really, really cool way of helping me break things down and think about it from different perspectives. So who are you to the world? What does your occupation mean to the world and to your family? Sure. Um, I'll start with my family. So it, it's been a long road and it hasn't been a linear path uh, as, a, as a father and a husband. Um, you know, I've to my family now, uh, I am who I always, I think, should have been. I'm, I'm a husband and a father, pure and simple and in the truest way, which means I'm I'm tuned in um, to my family when I'm here at home with them. I'm locked in now. I haven't always been that way, and I've been guilty of prioritizing kind of the wrong things in life. And as a husband and a father, I think that was over-indexing on work and the importance of work. And, uh, and I, I lost sight uh, a few years ago of just how important it was for me to be 100% tuned in to family. Um, and without being all that I can be for my family, I've also learned that who I am to the world uh, I don't exist in my fullest form to the world if I'm not existing in my fullest form to my family, if that mm. makes sense. No, it does. So to the world at, at, you know, at best, I think I'm, I'm a good person. Um, at worst, when I'm not, I think people question, you know, why, what, what's, what's off with, with Troy, yeah. something's got to be off here. And, and I haven't always been, you know, off. I think uh, a couple of years ago, I hit a, a rough patch where I was, I, over-prioritized work and then, you know, kind of that greater community that some of us fall into around work. And, you know, you, you have people in your life who will encourage you to do this and that. 
and you sort of elevate to these different altitudes in your career. And with that, you meet new people and people who, who see something in you. Um, that's all great. But if you buy into some of that nonsense, it can take you away from who you are, at least for me. So to, to my family, again, back to your question, I always aspire to be the best as a father and a husband. To the world, I just want to be a good person. Mm-hmm. And if that's somebody who is looking for help in any capacity, I want to sincerely offer that. Uh, one of the things that that I think, you know, hopefully you know about me, Jeff, is when I commit to someone, it, it is authentic. I won't reach out to someone to help them, whether it's career-wise or otherwise, unless I have either a plan to help them mm-hmm. or a recommendation I can make that will have have some, uh, some reality to it. So good husband, good father, and then a good person to, to the world. Yeah. Cool. That's really good. So this can be, I don't know, for, for some men, this tends to be a little bit of a daunting question. And for other men, it's, it's very cool the way they the way they frame this and the way this question gets gets answered back. But the question is, I want to know if you'd share one of your biggest mistakes with us, and then, you know, so so one that you honestly didn't know if you could recover from. I mean, I know you do. We all pick up and we all keep going, but there are times when we've made a mistake where we just sit back and look and we're like, whoa, right? And it kind of yep. knocks the air out of us. Could you? share one of those with us? Absolutely. And what a great question too. Um, Yes. So uh, to to really build on what I was saying a minute ago, um, I I did get lost in life and in my career a short while ago. And the biggest mistake that I made in that time is I ran away from the people in my life who were giving me the hard truth and the good advice. Um, and I was listening to the wrong people. And, and I'm, you know, I, you have to put yourself first and foremost uh, to, to, to blame. But um, I had people in my life that were, you know, reminding me what was important. And I really became tone deaf on my own accord to, to the right advice. So how I recovered from, from this, this point in time is uh, I don't know how anyone else deals with hardships, but I have something in me where I, I it takes me a while, but when I awaken, I pivot and I just, I deal with it. You know, I, I pull up my, my boots or whatever the expression is. And I deal with it head on, which is to say, I, I challenge myself to, to get things right. And what that means is you, you have to be disciplined. You have to refocus. And so I, I told myself that, you know, I would never again prioritize the wrong things in life. Um, I didn't. I didn't find some mystic sage. I didn't have a, a community of people who were sharing their hardships. I just knew I could. I, I had to handle this myself. I had to get my my life and my focus back, in right in front of me. And mm-hmm. um, I'm very fortunate that I have a wonderful family. Um, I have the most beautiful kids in the world. The most beautiful wife in the world. I've got all the right people in my corner. And so, uh, they deserved the best out of me. And I've been, uh, trying to give that on a daily basis ever since. So the core of what you're asking, 
uh, I think sometimes when people answer these questions, how did you kind of write the course? I'm always interested to hear how people deal with hardships mm -hmm. and what support they seek. And those, you know, for me, again, it was important that I, I sort of handled this head on, you yeah. know, yeah. because they're, they're really, I didn't have many excuses as to why I wasn't focusing on the right things in life, family and, and really family first and foremost. So, yeah. You know, I, I, I think back about some of the mistakes that I made in my life too. And there are certain ones I had to make a couple of times before I really learned that I was going about things the wrong way, that I was framing things the wrong way, that my mindset was wrong. So for you, if there, if there were any types of triggers that would cause you to make that kind of mistake again, what do you think those might be? Yeah. It, well, it's easy. That's another good question. It's easy to, to react to triggers. Um, a trigger could be something as simple as um, maybe a business win. Um, I'm not saying that happens now. It doesn't, it really doesn't anymore. But I think when you get into a, a career where, at least for me, part of your, your success is, is evident in growing a business and getting to work with wonderful clients and building teams. Um, when you get that first rush of it, 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 it it's good, it's exciting, but yeah. at the same time, if, if you don't know what the greater kind of cause is for, you can get lost in it. So um, a trigger is really, you know, is one of those moments where uh, uh, maybe a business accolade or, you know, you're, you're given a, praise socially, but experience allows you to uh, distill that very quickly and say, I appreciate that. And thank you for the compliment or one win is celebrated by saying, good, now let's, let's move on to, to the next mm -hmm. endeavor. So the trigger is always going to be there. I think you can probably relate as well, Jeff, that when you accomplish something, especially those tasks and, and let's, let's take user experience, for example, Sometimes, man, we are tasked with the most, um, you know, we're given a lot of work that, that two or three people can't make sense of. And we're, we're asked to consolidate all of, the, all of these inputs and really um, create something that is digestible for a wide audience. And if it fails, usually it falls on us um, because we're creating the infrastructure behind experiences. Now that is a lot of pressure, but when you succeed, as you know, the adulation, whether you get it from others or yourself is tremendous. Mm. Experience teaches you to handle that. All right. To take it in stride. Um, so I, I've probably answered the question at this point, but just bringing it back full circle, being able to handle success as much as you handle, you know, failure. We're all, I think we're all equipped to handle the no, or no, it didn't work out. Okay, well, I can do better. But you have to also learn how, how to manage the success when something is accomplished, when you do accomplish something and uh, there are successes, you have to take that in stride as equally as you do the bumps in the road. So the trigger is, is evident, but experience allows you to handle it better the second time around. Well, in my case now, I don't know how many times around I've gone at this, but um. Yeah. I mean, I think anytime you succeed at something, especially when the stakes are high, you know, the tendency is to, is to want to, you kind of long for some sort of acknowledgement and, and peer um, kudos, but, sure. but that, 
that's not, you have to remember, that's not why we do it. Yeah. We do this for customers. We do this for human beings. We do this for those who are in need of better experiences. And, and um, so, yeah. And there still always is going to be that, that internal satisfaction. And right? I mean, the reward, yep. the, the rewards that I get for some of the things that I do in this, in this space are, are fantastic. And in, in, in the meetup last night, listen to this in the meetup last night where we're, where we're kind of re getting this going again, one lady, this was her first time. She said, I just have to tell you, I've never found a meetup like this in my life. She said, I've been searching for just this meetup for what I can, for what I can give, for what I can learn and for the camaraderie and how we can yep. all collaborate in doing things like this. You wouldn't believe how good that made me feel to hear that, 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 that I can bring something like that and facilitate something like that to people. Right. So, yeah, it's cool stuff. So, all right. So, so this, this gives us a really, really good segue because the next question is about wins, right? And if you've got a really cool win in mind that you could tell us about and what that win meant to you. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think what, you know, the, the best way to answer this is to talk about, there have been a few and, and these wins are not, <laughs> they're not necessarily in the business world or, or the professional world. They don't um, have to be. No, that's okay. It doesn't matter. I think the biggest win uh, for me in life is to know that you, you can fall, but man, you can come back even stronger. Right. And, yeah. and it takes work and it takes a lot of honesty with yourself. Um, uh, and I don't know if I claim it as a win. I, I definitely claim it as a learning experience. And, and maybe that itself is, it is a bit of a win, but I, the biggest win was, is definitely been to, to know that, you know, I, and we all can fall, but man, you don't have to stay down and um, you yourself can, can pick yourself back up. I know this sounds kind of generic saying it, but uh, I've lived it and, mm. and just kind of refocusing and getting priorities back and firm focus is by far a bigger win than, you know, delivering any, in products or delivering sure. a experience ahead of a deadline or deploying ahead of a deadline. Um, those, those are meaningless compared to, um, you know, to, to refocusing in life and on, you know, just your overall health, your contribution to your family and those around mm -hmm. you. That's by far the biggest win. And those wins can, can repeat themselves and they take on different forms in life, but just knowing that you've, you've done it, that you've, you've kind of lost sight of things and regained it. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't think of a bigger win. Yeah. And it all comes down to choice, right? You can choose to stay down or yep. you can choose to look at it a little bit different way and realize that you have to keep going, especially when you start talking about family and sure. the people around you, because you've got people dependent on you to do things. And so while it may feel really good, and as humans, we just kind of tend to like this, and I don't understand it because I do it a lot too, but I can get down and man, I start beating myself up, but that is so bad. That's so bad for your ego. It's so bad for your subconscious because it's bad for your heart. <laughs> it's bad for yeah. your health to get down on yourself like that. So. You know, while at times it can be really easy for us to, to, you know, to call ourselves names when we make what we feel might be stupid mistakes, we have to realize that we got to rally really, really quickly and sure. we need to come back yeah. again. 
And I think to build on that too, you have to ask yourself, at least I ask myself, what is your plight really, Troy? <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, you're, yeah, you're refocusing yeah. in life, but you have people who haven't seen sunlight in other parts of the world for months, right? Um, you've got people in other parts of the world that are, are just scraping. And um, I, I'm tuned into a broader global community through, through several groups that, I, that I'm part of. And um, yeah, I mean, there, there's the get yourself back up, but then there's the broader in the scope in the face of the rest of the world, you know, your plight, you learn like that, just how minuscule mm. your plight is not to underscore it for anyone, right. you know, right. listening, but you, you also have to, I think you should, I advise anyone to do that. Once you kind of recalibrate and get yourself back on firm footing, you know, you really do need to look, you know, at a, at a broader scope of what's going on in the world and right. hopefully connect with some people who have some really terrible experiences. But in spite of those experiences, they might even have a, a rosier outlook on life than, than you and I do. So there, there's the picking yourself back up, but then also extend your peripheral vision. Look broader than, than what's, you know, 10, 100 feet in front of you. Yeah. Look at what other people are going through in this world. And that kind of comes full circle. Can you help? You know, can, can you then reinvest in this cycle of, of, uh, of, of helping and facilitating, you know, how can you do that? Sure, so, sure. Right. And you know, I, what you talk about too, in that broader perspective is why I am so grateful for the international travel that I've been able to do because I've traveled pretty much all around the world, you know, haven't set foot on the continent of Australia yet. haven't been down in there, but I've been in Asia. I've been in South America. I've been in Europe. I've been a lot of different places. And it's so cool to be able to see how differently People in other parts of the world view some things, but you know what? It, it, it all comes back to the same thing. We all just want to be happy. We all want to be loved. We all want to be appreciated. But I have such a different perspective on life because I've had that great fortune to be able to do that than a, a lot of people. And people just love sitting down and hearing me tell stories sometimes about all these trips I've been on and the factories, you know, the clothing factories I've been in in, in, in Asia and all the different things that I've been able to do. So it's cool. And I'm, yeah. you already know that I'm a good storyteller and that I don't have any problem talking. So it's, right, cool. it's right. cool to be able to, re to relate some of those stories to people who just have never had the same kind of opportunities that I have. But your stories are rich and they're full of depth and, and excitement. And really here in our country, um, you know, we, we have a, we have a, a large, segment of, of the populace who are, are so oblivious to these worldly experiences and quite frankly, don't want to even know about them, you know, and that's, that's something I think that people like yourself, the groups that you're organizing, I think that's great. And I think that, um, you know, I don't know if our country was ever the shining beacon of embracing a global sort of cultural outlook on life, but, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that here in the United States that we are going to uh, once again approach diversity from a, at a global scale yeah. and, and wanting to learn more about other cultures. And, you know, the more people we have at that table, the, the better we are as a whole. Yeah. In exactly. that conversation, in, in so many ways, I'm speaking somewhat metaphorically, but, yeah. you know, those stories that you're telling, you know, it, it would be great to see those audiences growing in the months and years to come that, that are listening yeah. 
you know, with excitement and with, with focus. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for saying that. Yeah. All right. So you know that Sage Warrior Gentleman is, 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 is based around some key tenets that I believe are what every modern man should, should embody. Right. Yep. I'm going to rattle off a couple of these. Sure. If, if, if any of these really resonate with you, let's talk about that. If something different resonates with you, let's talk about that too. Okay. So what I have written down here and, and, and what I kind of go by all the time is leadership, honor, integrity, confidence, and compassion. Yeah. Um, they all resonate to some degree. Um, compassion probably rises to the surface. Um, trying to understand, you know, the, the perspective of everyone in the room or nowadays virtually on, you know, in meetings. Um, so I'm a affluent Caucasian male and uh, I know that. And what I try to do within the first 10 seconds of meeting someone is I try to destroy that. And I try to destroy it by, by listening and um, letting that person know uh, in so many ways and, and acts and, and reactions that I am going to listen and um, I want to hear the other person's perspective. I want them to understand me for who I am, not for the way I look or the way I talk. Compassion. So integrity is also key. Uh, you know, you have to be it before you can live it. So as I mentioned earlier, um, you know, I, I've been acknowledged by, by many uh, a peer and colleague and friends uh, to have integrity. I feel like uh, at this point in my life, I'm, I'm back on good footing. And integrity is something I've always valued. But I'm once again, I hope that I'm living it. Uh, of course, as a UX professional, uh, I would throw in empathy um, as an extension of compassion, but to, to hear others, to kind of absorb what they're saying, but then really to um, understand what is that person going through? How can I, you know, articulate my work or my response through their lens? So empathy is critical, um, not just in practice, but in, in, in how I interact and, and treat others. Um, I, I think something else I'd like to put in here, uh, as an affluent, um, you know, white male, something that I'm deeply interested in, and I think, you know, this to be true is, uh, is, uh, gender equality and, and also, you know, just treating everyone in the room the same and, and really living it and, and executing that, not just in conversational tone, but, um, when, when you have a room and maybe there are, you know, it's predominantly affluent folks or, or Caucasian or males versus females, what I strive to do is, as genuinely as I can, is open that forum and make sure that everyone, again, as much as I can, everyone has a presence, everyone feels heard, and that it's not for show, that it's an authentic outreach to give someone an opening, you know, to, to articulate themselves. So, um, again, empathy was, is big, uh, compassion and integrity from that list. Yeah. Cool. All right. So what does chivalry mean to you? Yes. So chivalry means, uh, to do, you know, it, it's to do good, but do good without the, the phone camera on to do good without posting it on whatever social media platform is your favorite. Um, 
you know, it, it could be something like uh, an anonymous donation. Um, it could be just, you know, um, listening to someone who is having a bad day, male or female, um, whatever the case may be. Uh, it's doing it without, without accolade. It's doing it really not wanting anyone to see, not needing anyone to know, um, but, but infusing that part of yourself to help someone else out. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that could take on many forms, but I think it's, it's, you do it because I mean, at the end of the day, you're doing something good and, yeah. and the world needs more of it. But, you know, I, I also think as you start to take on a, you know, a, a perspective of maybe chivalry that, you know, it becomes contagious within yourself and, you know, you're, you're, you're just, you feel like you're doing something that, that there's a gap in the world and you're, you're contributing that. And then you're moving on to the next opportunity to help and contribute. Yeah. agree. Absolutely. Okay. So because I spent 20 years off and on in the clothing industry, yeah. I also like to talk about style. So what does style mean to you as a gentleman? Yeah. So in short, um, you know, as, as far as style, I think the word that, that comes to mind, it's one of the earlier words that you mentioned, I think confidence. I, I, you know, I think that confidence can be a style because confidence and in, in maybe it's a belief in yourself uh, radiates and, and you can see the impact it has. And I've been around others who, who are confident. It's a comfort that they have that whatever, however they arrive in a situation um, aesthetically or even philosophically, there's a confidence that exudes in that itself it is, is a style. It, it mm -hmm. is. And, mm -hmm. and it's very powerful and impactful. So I think that confidence is sort of the, the driver and style is one of the byproducts of having in, in a lot of, you know, virtue and what you believe in. So that to me is, is, is a style. Um, and carrying that confidence with, again, some of these other words, with integrity and, and a balance of knowing that you're confident in yourself. But hey, with that confidence, you can teach, you know, you can advise, you can use that to do important things from a business sense. But you can also take that same confidence and transmit that to others. Don't internalize it you know, to hell with right. that. I mean, there, there, you and I know so many people who are clearly confident. They want you to know that they're confident and they want to retain that as if they've got some sort of gift. They don't, uh, they have a failure to see that, that they have an impact, that they're just not, maybe they haven't had someone in their life to say, Hey, you know, be a good teacher to others or, or upskill someone. Right. So, so confidence when channeled properly, man, that's a style all on its own. Sure. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. And, and confidence for the sake of show is not really confidence, but it's fear. It's actually a lack of confidence. And when people come on like that, you know, we, I, some people can pick up on that pretty, pretty quickly. Here, here, here's another good way to look at that too. Two, two people can walk into a room. One person, man or woman, doesn't matter, can walk into a room, have a $3,000 suit on, but you watch their body language. Right behind them walks in somebody with a black T-shirt on, 
black jeans, black shoes, but you can tell by the way they carry themselves when they walk into that room that that's the person you need to be listening to. And that's the person you need to be talking to, right? That's it. That's yeah. style. I mean, that itself is a very powerful, it's style, it's style with substance and it radiates. Yeah. Like yeah. You said, you know, you can, you can tell. Um, sure. Yep. Sure you can. All right. So let's switch over to talk about health now because health mm -hmm. is very important for us, for everybody. Uh, you know, again, going back to how you support your family. And, you know, if we go back thousands and thousands of years, the man was out getting the stuff that the, that the family needed. You know, the mother was, was typically home, except for in some cultures. I know that. In some cultures, women are warriors. And, you know, you watch TV shows like Vikings and, and men and women are fighting side by side. And, and, and that happens now all around the world, too. So, so for you, though, as the man of the house, you have to stay healthy. So talk about health a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would like to preface by saying I think in our culture, women are warriors. I do. Um, I, I think that uh, I follow the lead of many women. And uh, to, to answer your question, um, you know, to take care of oneself physically it routes right back to to your mental state. And I've always made clear that um, that that's why I've taken fairly good care of myself physically. I've always uh, well, not always, but for the vast majority of my adult life, been in pretty good physical shape. Um, that, that wasn't a pursuit of vanity. It was something that, well, you know what, Jeff, going back to the rugby thing, when I started playing rugby, I was, I was probably all of 150 pounds soaking wet. Um, when I was in college, I ran all the time. I was running, I don't know how many miles a day, but running was my way of clearing my head. And even on Friday nights, I would go out and run because, I was away from home really for the first time. And I had to deal with a lot of uh, just, you know, not knowing a lot of people. And I mean, I, you know, I, I think I'm known as being a, a pretty outgoing sociable person, but when you're 18 and uh, you're kind of re, you know, basically um, reinventing yourself, so to speak with, with a whole new populace of folks, it's, it's overwhelming. At least it was for me. So I ran and then when I got involved with rugby, um, you know, the first practice, I suffered a pretty severe concussion. And, uh, and I, I remember that to this day, going to the hospital and having fluids drained from my face. I mean, the, the swelling was pretty wow. bad. But all this is to say that, um, that you know, I, I, I realized that I had to be stronger physically. And, and that can be a metaphor for our own self being, but so I, I got into to weight training and I became a trainer eventually. And I like to tell people this because too, in our careers and our lives, you know, you talk to a lot of people that say, well, that's just not me. Or I, I can't, I, I don't think I could do that. Or no, I don't have time for that. And I'll call BS on that because there was a time in my life, probably 10 or 11, where I was, I was overweight. You know, I was a kid who for a few years of my life, I, uh, I was on the outside. Um, and then I got to high school and grew, got taller. And, you know, I, I took on a different physical form. And it's funny, Jeff, because you see the way people react to you 
when you physically change, Yeah, you know, and I know I'm going on a bit of a, a side thing here, but I think it's important. It kind of routes back to some of the other themes we've talked about, but when you physically change people around you change. And I think that's allowed me to be more empathetic as well, because you, you name any sort of genre or type of person. I've probably been just about all of them. Mm-hmm. And so I approach physical fitness uh, from a mental state, not an aesthetic state because of the experiences that I had. And that's why I still to this day, um, you know, maintain a, a fairly consistent regimen of, of exercise. Um, you always, it, it goes in cycles. Um, but I also have to counterbalance that with my family, you know, um, sure. there, there've been times where I thought that should have been a priority and it's not, it's great to take care of yourself, but if that comes before your family and those that love you, then you're, you're in it for the wrong reason. Um, it's be a balance. Yeah, it, ha- it, it has to be a balance. When you find the balance, you'll find the time. Yeah, you will. you will. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. So um, I've, I, we've got, we're almost towards the end. I've got just a couple more questions. The one thing I forgot to mention to you is once we finish, we'll say goodbye. I'll stop the recording, but don't go away. Don't hang up. We'll talk for just a couple of minutes more and then, and then we'll be finished. Okay. So this, this is all going to get cut out. Okay. All right. So we've got just a couple of questions left now. We're, we're winding down towards the end. So here's, here's the first one. If you were to mentor a younger person, what area do you think you'd have the most influence? And this isn't just, just business. You know, this, this podcast is meant, to, is meant to give ideas into a lot of different areas, as we've talked about today. So not just necessarily business, unless that's what you think you would have the, you know, you know, the greatest impact in. But mentoring somebody, what would you be really, really good at mentoring somebody in? Sure. Uh love this question. And mentoring is something that's a big part of my life. And what I've really focused on in recent years um, with, with people that I've, I've been privileged to teach at Miami or former students that I've taught in the Cincinnati area. And now young professionals, whether someone that I interview or that I'm, you know, I'm put in contact with is I always, I tell everyone you have to prepare for success. And that, that's sort of a loaded thing because, uh, you know, the initial reaction is, okay, I, I think I could, okay, like getting the job. And then I clarify and I say, no, it, it's take the job out of it in life. Like you have to prepare for success and how you're going to handle that. Because when you have the first rush of it in your life, it, it comes at you very quickly and you have to be prepared to then, okay, I've accomplished something. What is my next task? Or I've accomplished something. What were the outcomes? Mm-hmm. How did that impact not just the business? How, how did this impact others around me? Mm-hmm. So again, a key focus right, right now and in recent years has been prepared to succeed. Yeah. Whether, okay, let's say it's something else. So you're, you're trying to lose weight or you're trying to run faster. Okay, so you have to prepare for hitting that next mark. Are you just going to stop? Or are you going to go further? Okay. And if you, if it's a job, if you get a job, you have to be thinking already, well, does this involve a move? Does this involve um, learning a new trait? What research do I have to do now about, about this opportunity? Um, You know, you have to prepare for success in every, in every way, shape or form. Sure. That's cool. Yeah. Good stuff. I love it. All right. So the question that I end every single podcast with Troy is this. 
Is there anything else you'd like to say? Uh, yes, um, I think I would just like to encourage everyone um, that embrace the struggle of life. You know, don't 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 let it don't let it um, hit you too too uh, too aggressively. You're going to get hit in life, uh, metaphorically, of course. Um, just embrace the struggle because out of the struggle, you find your process. You find your process of healing, of regaining your strength, of finding out just how strong you really are. Everyone, all of you, everyone listening and beyond, uh, embrace the struggle. Um, the perception of the struggle is it's a bad thing. It might be a caveat to something really spectacular. So embrace, embrace the struggle. Yeah, very cool. All right. Those are very wise words, sir. Thank you very much. Well, hey, it's been great talking to you. Like we said at the beginning, it took us a while to get here, but this has been such yeah. a great conversation and this will help uh, a lot of people who need to hear these these messages from you and these answers from you about your life and, and the decisions that you've made. So thank you again very, very much, Troy. I really appreciate your time in doing this. Yeah, thank you. And, and I just like to add that I also want to learn like you, Jeff, we, we're, we're learners. So we're giving advice, but we also enjoy those chances to connect so that we too can learn because yeah. there's much more that I, I'm willing and wanting to learn. Yeah, cool. All right. Thanks, dude. I'll be talking to you again soon. So thanks for joining us for this episode of the Sage Warrior Gentleman podcast. And remember that you can join us and get a free guide over at sagewarriorgentleman.com. We'd love to have you join our conversation and please help us spread the word if you feel this could help someone you know and care about.